Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. How's everyone doing? Hey, nice to see you all. Welcome to Gas Street, particularly if this is your first time. My name is James, James Levy, part of the team here. Hi, Claire, good to see you again. If anyone didn't see during the given chat moment, Claire had to run to get some WD-40. She's got a squeaky pedal, which in those quiet moments of worship, you just hear... Anyway, so thank you for fixing that, Claire. Um, hello to those of you watching online as well. Um, my hope for this morning is this, is that we will all draw closer to the heart of God. That's, that's the deal. That's what I'm hoping for, that we'll all draw closer to the heart of God this morning. And we're going to start off by doing that with a little bit of group therapy. Okay, it's good, right? It's good to get it off our chest. And I want to ask you the question, what bugs you? What bugs you? For example public Wi-Fi. We love being able to log on to free public Wi-Fi. Why do you need an account? Yeah? I don't want to have to create an account. Yeah. What about, let's talk about driving, people who don't indicate at roundabouts? Come on. Yeah, there's a few of you in here agreeing with that. Some of you are those people. Um, Or things like even the weather yesterday. I'm a huge cricket fan. England are on the tip of beating Australia, but the weather is against us. Now, I don't want to share all my feelings and emotions. I want to hear from you as well. So just with the person next to you for a moment, just share that question. What bugs you? What bugs you? And then I'm going to come and find out what is bugging Gastric Church at the moment. That's it. I can hear the steady rumble in the room. This feels good for the soul, doesn't it? Let it all out. Let it all out. What's bugging you? Okay. Right, brilliant. We're going to, we're going to just bring it back in for a moment. Oh, it's, it's now really starting to erupt. People are really getting it off their chest. We've gone through the surface level. Um, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear from you. Is anyone willing to share what bugs them? I'll, I'll come to you. Come on, otherwise I'm going to have to start picking on people. Who wants to share what's been bugging them? Right, I'm coming out. I would love, I'm sorry, we've not met before. You, yeah, you looked very animated. That's what I'm saying. You were sharing, just here. Um, can you, can you tell, okay, I'm going to shuffle along. Can you, can you tell the room what really bugs you? Um, let me clarify for the people. Um, I said, when my mum sees something is dirty in the house, or just comes in from work and she automatically starts shouting. It's like, allow yourself five minutes, then start shouting. You know, just give yourself a breather, then shout. Woo. Okay, I hope mum's not watching at home. I'm nervous. Anyone else feel that when people just come home and tell you what you should or should not have done? Right, one more from the room. Come on. Who else? Yes, thank you very much. It takes me walking far. What bugs you? And don't say Dan as he sat next to you, okay? Right, what bugs you? Um, If you go to get a snack out of the cupboard and then the packet's empty. We felt that. We felt that in the room, didn't we? There's been another accusation levelled over here. Claire's just pointed at Tax. Tax is that guy. An amazing worship leader, but not such a great housemate, clearly. I'm sure these lovely, we've just heard. But you see, these things that bug us, it's quite often because we feel something has been unfair. We feel like there has been an injustice where somebody else has put themselves before you. They've not thought about you in this. And whilst these examples that we've heard from the room Um, are quite low level in many ways. We know and we recognize that within our city, 
there are some extreme examples of injustice as well. You think about racism or sexism or the greed or how children can't be safe in their own homes. We know there is injustice in our city. And today I'm going to be speaking on part two of our three-part series on justice, mission and me. Looking at what is God's heart for justice, but also what can our response be as a church, but also as individuals as well. But before we go any further, I want to offer, um, I want to offer some definitions. Because mission and justice can sometimes feel like the same thing. And whilst they're part of the same family, I would say they're different. See, for me, mission is about every single person being able to hear the good news of Jesus. It is about us going out and telling people how much they are loved. Our vision at Gas Street is to be light for the city. It is a missional vision. It is based on Matthew 5, which says, Let your light shine for others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Mission is about going out into the dark places of the world, shining the light of Jesus and telling people how much they are loved by God. I think justice is different though. Justice is about where something, is about making things right. Where we're advocating for fairness and equality amongst people. You know, sometimes when we consider injustice, it's when we look at someone who has been oppressed, been abandoned, discarded. They are victims of something else that someone else has decided which does not feel fair. I think that's what justice is and that's what we're going to look at today. But I want to throw in social action into the mix as well. Because I think social action is about responding to a need in the community. You know, where you see about the food banks or the pantries and even many of the ministries that Love Your Neighbour do here at Gas Street, they are responding to a need. And I think the three of them are linked. You start off with an injustice. You start off with something that is unfair. You will then quite often use social action as a vehicle to deal and to tackle the injustice. But actually, the church will use the social action as mission to say, it's amazing that we've been able to fill your cupboards and to help you navigate the challenge of debt. But the ultimate good news for you is to know Jesus who will give you an eternity of riches. So justice, social action, and mission, they're closely linked, but they're all different and distinct as well. So as I said, I'm going to be speaking on justice today. We're going to look at the Lord's heart and think about how do we respond. But why don't I start off in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we can gather here this morning, that we can fix our eyes on you, that we can worship you freely. And Spirit of God, would you continue to move in power this morning? Would you speak through your word? Would our hearts and our ears be open to what you want to say to us today, we ask? Father, would you do something remarkable in this this space this morning, we ask? Amen. Amen. Amazing. Now, I'd encourage you today, if you take your notes This is a good time. We're going to dive into quite a lot of scripture today. If you've got a Bible, flick it on, open it up, whatever you need to do. But if not, it's all going to be on the screen as well. And we're going to start off rogue, I know, Leviticus. Okay. Not rogue. Okay, great. Leviticus 25 is where we're looking. It's the third book of the Bible. And it starts off with a little bit of a riddle. So we're starting off at verse 8. Count off. Seven Sabbath years, seven times seven years, so that the seven Sabbath years amount to a period of 49 years. 
Then have the trumpet sounded everywhere on the 10th day of the seventh month on the day of atonement. Sound the trumpet throughout your land. Consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. Each of you is to return to your family property and to your own clan. The 50th year shall be a jubilee for you. Do not sow and do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the untended vines. Quite a passage. So let's, let's unpack it together now. If you know anything about the Bible, um, Leviticus is quite often seen as the rule book. Now, who likes rules? Boring. But let's frame this in context. We've got the Israelite people. They are God's chosen people. And they've been led out of slavery in miraculous circumstances, how they've crossed the Red Sea. And now they're in this new land in the waiting and preparing for what is to come. And God is speaking, God has given them these laws, these commands, which on one side might feel restrictive, but on the other side are so the community can thrive and flourish, not just now, but for the future. It's to mark these people, God's chosen people, as different to every tribe and clan that is out there. So let's go back into it, back to verse eight. How does this all speak to the future and thriving and flourishing? Count off seven Sabbath years, seven times, seven years, that the seven Sabbath years amount to a period of 49 years. It is a riddle, but I think what it's trying to say is 50 years. It could have just said that. It would have made it a lot easier for us all here today, but I didn't write the Bible. So every 50 years, then to verse 10, consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. Each of you is to return to your family property and to your own clan. Let's just hold there. Um, who remembers the 1997 classic by Robin Marks, These Are the Days of Elijah? Yeah. Show of hands. Okay, okay, mixed. About 40%, if, if that. Um, now, just to give you a little insight, the chorus went a little bit like, Lift your voice, it's the year of jubilee. Out of Zion's hill, salvation comes. Yeah, and the church would go wild and we'd go, yeah! Now, I sang that ironically, religiously for probably 10 years of my life. All through the noughties, it was the song on a Sunday. Now, can I tell you the truth? I had no idea what the year of Jubilee was until only February this year. I was shouting it, yes, this is the year of Jubilee. No idea, absolutely no idea. So it's a safe space. But this verse helps us unpack what this year of Jubilee that Robin Marks was talking about is. This is a significant moment in the life of the Israelites where people every 50 years are freed and can return back to their families. The debt that was gone, the debt that they had has now been released and they can walk back into society with those who they love. Family units were restored. They could play an active part in society once again. It was this once in a generation climatic moment that would come. It's a significant moment for the people. And the year of Jubilee was like this reorientation moment where it would remind them that God had led them out of slavery. It was a reminder that the land they were in now was God's. It was a reminder that God has a promised land for them that one day they will get to. God was trying to humble the people in many ways. The year of Jubilee was stopping the rich from getting richer, but also the poor from getting poorer as well. It's a rebalancing of the scales. 
And what you see in the year of Jubilee is the heart of God of someone who is faithful, of someone who is trustworthy, of someone who is fair, of someone who advocates for equality. It's also a reminder that he will continue to provide for the people. You look at 2023 and the state of the world we're in. What would a year of Jubilee look like now? It would be pretty radical, but it would set a lot of people free as well. Let's continue in this passage of Leviticus 25. We're going to jump to verse 35. And it says this, If any of your fellow Israelites become poor and are unable to support themselves among you, help them as you would a foreigner and stranger so they can continue to live among you. Do not take interest or any profit from them, but fear your God so that they may continue to live among you. You must not lend them money at interest or sell them food at a profit. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. Just have a moment of clarity in this passage. What this passage isn't saying is don't make money. Because actually people's innovation, people's creativity is a gift and therefore they should be rightly paid for it. But what it is saying is don't you dare profit from exploiting those in need. Don't you dare prioritize yourself, try and make yourself richer because someone else around you is suffering. It's challenging stuff that we read here. And you know, remember a few years back, particularly with the rise of like payday loans companies, you need a hundred pounds to pay your energy bill. Don't you worry, I will give you a hundred pounds, but in 28 days time, you're gonna give me 250 back. This model was never gonna work. It was exploiting those who were vulnerable. It was exploiting those who were in need. The rich were getting richer. The poor were getting poorer. These are the challenges we were in. And I just wanna give a bit of context to the Israelite people that in many ways, they live quite a simple way of life whereby they would feed off the land. Therefore, they would plant Um, seeds and crops into the soil. They would hope that they would grow. They would then harvest them. They would then use that food to feed their family. And the surplus, they would then sell so that they can do it all over again next year. However, as great as this may seem, it's also a very fragile model. What if your crops don't grow? Got no food to feed your family. Got no way of selling your surplus. What are you going to do next year? And what, um, what God is sort of instructing the people of the time is support your brother, su- support your sister. If they're in need, lend generously, but don't charge more than is necessary. Like, let them still have a place to be able to thrive and flourish in society. But again, what you saw in verse 38 of that passage is God reminds the people not to take interest from people. He said, I am the Lord your God who led you out I am the Lord your God who led you out. It's a reminder of the faithfulness of God once again. That these laws in many ways weren't to restrict them, but it was to help them thrive and flourish because we always need a reminder of who God is. It's why we come to church every Sunday. It's why we open our Bibles daily because we always need the reminder of who God is. We're now going to go to Deuteronomy 15, which is quite helpful because we've done book three. We're now in book five of the Bible. Deuteronomy 15, starting at verse one. And it says this, at the end of every seven years, you must cancel debts. 
At the end of every seven years, you must cancel debts. And then it goes on in verse two. You can read it on the screen for yourselves of how they do that. So every seven years, debts would just be wiped. Freely, they would be wiped. There was never meant to be long-term debt. There was never meant to be the long-term pain and shame that can be associated with it. We, um, as a church, work very closely with an organization called Christians Against Poverty. And in, um, in their 2023, this year's client report, um, they reported some of the statistics of what debt is doing to people. Um, they're going to appear on the screen now, and you can read these for yourself. 54% of clients have sacrificed meals. 51% have gone without heat in their home. 70% couldn't afford weather-appropriate clothing for their family. 61% couldn't afford basic toiletries. 90% said debt affected their health. 50% said they considered suicide as a way out of debt. And debt can be extremely painful. I remember for my wife Holly and I, um, we'd not long been married. We'd bought this little flat in Bromley. Um, and we decorated it. We made it look lovely. We were really pleased with it. Um, we just got to the point of enjoying it. We didn't have like paint on your nails every day. For those of you who've done a lot of decoration and like tried to scrub it off. And this letter comes through the letterbox. And we open it up. And it's a letter from the management company. And it says, you owe the most like extraordinary amount of money. We didn't have it. We didn't know what we were going to do. And in that moment, and so we phoned them up and they're like, oh, don't worry about it. We know it's quite a large amount up front, but you can split it over 12 monthly payments. It was more than our mortgage. Like how on earth were we meant to be able to afford this bill? It was a bill that we shouldn't have received in many ways. It was for work done on a property before we'd even moved in. And I remember for Holly and I, we didn't tell anyone. We actually isolated ourselves. And our thinking at the time was we didn't want to worry others. We just thought we'd deal with it ourselves. We didn't tell our families. Um, and amazingly, and praise God, we, and by his grace, we didn't, we didn't end up paying the bill. There was, um, the solicitors fought it, there was an issue in the admin, but for those three months that we had this debt looming over our heads, we felt the real cost. We felt the pain of being in debt. And, and just to say, um, for those of you here who are maybe struggling financially at the moment, like just don't do it on your own. I think that was my, the lesson I learned for myself in that. When we told our families, they're like, why didn't you tell us? But also there's organizations that you can work with and keep a level of anonymity like Christians Against Poverty. We've got a center here, head to our website because we'd love to support you in this. But also, and just as a, a way to encourage you, um, we got this message from Leanne D who runs our CAP center at St. Luke's. And she wrote it in our staff WhatsApp last week. Praise pause. It's always a good way to start a WhatsApp message, isn't it? You're like, I'm not getting in trouble. I've just heard from Cap that a client who I've been working with since January is now debt-free. Yeah? Let's give that person a round of applause and God a round of applause for all he's done and for his faithfulness. You see, the difference it will make to their life is huge. The difference it will make to their life is huge. And when we come back to this passage in Deuteronomy 15, it said every seven years, we're just going to wipe the debts. Then we start to understand the significance of God's heart that actually he is a God who is just. He is a God who cares so much for his people. He doesn't want to see his people suffer, but he wants them to thrive and to flourish. God stands against injustice. And we're going to see this. We're just going to whistle through a number of verses in Scripture now. We see that God detests injustice in Jeremiah 21, 12. 
He says, this is what the Lord says to you, house of David. Administer justice every morning. Rescue from the hand of the oppressor, the one who has been robbed, or my wrath will break out and burn like fire. We see that justice should be a continuation in Amos 5, the rather it been a step. Actually, it should flow like a river, going wherever it wants to go, continuing to move. Amos 5, 24 says, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never failing stream. We see Isaiah 1:17. that Isaiah names certain people that we need to be mindful of. Learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. Isaiah was speaking against the things that he'd been seeing in the community, but also naming that there's a vulnerability that we should protect and support the widows and the orphans. Lastly, there's a command in Micah 6a. It's a verse that many of us will have heard before. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. You know, it seems clear that as we dive through Scripture that God's heart is for justice, that God stands for those who are suffering. He wants to rescue those and he wants to create a level playing field. I remember for me when I first felt convicted to be someone who advocates for justice, it was um, about 10 years ago, a bit more than 10 years ago, I was doing a degree in youth work. And this is where I was introduced to this guy who's going to appear on the screen. And this, my friends, is Gustavo Gutierrez. Nice guy, I'm sure. I've never met him. Um, but he was a guy from Peru, and he developed a theology called liberation theology. And at the heart of his theology, he took scripture and the teachings of the church and said, how do we read this? How do we interpret this through the lens of those who have suffered? How do we read this through the lens of those who are poor and oppressed? And actually his theology rattled a few cages. It rattled the church who thought they were doing everything wonderfully. It rattled the political systems around them. By some, it's a theology that is rejected. But at his heart, he wanted to advocate for the poor. At his heart, he wanted to advocate for those who had been oppressed and he wanted to see them set free. And there was a verse that he hung this theology on. It's in Isaiah 61, verse 1 and 2. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. It's a passage that Jesus himself cites in Luke chapter four. But I remember as I read that for the first time, as I'd started off this sort of journey of youth work and I thought, hang on a sec, that verse is me. Because I was getting a bit sick and tired of seeing young people being labeled by their grades. That actually, if you get this mark, you will be dot, dot, dot. If you look like this, then you can be dot, dot, dot. If your family circumstance is this, then you can be dot, dot, dot. And I'm just there like, hang on, this isn't right. These people, these young people, God's chosen, like these God's people who was made in his image have been oppressed by the systems and the structures around them. And what I wanted them to know is the good news of Jesus because the message of Jesus is a message of freedom. And that for me is a verse that has stuck with me, is a reason that I'm now, I'm training to be a vicar now and hoping all being well that I'll spend life long in ministry with the view of sort of seeing this passage come to life. 
in sort of early next year, we're going to be launching a location in Longbridge, just a few miles from here. And the goal is this, is to see the people of Longbridge and the surrounding areas set free by the good news of Jesus. Because we've got a vision as a church to be light for the city to go out and see people shaped and changed. So how do we respond? We see this message of injustice. We see that God stands in the gap. What do we do as a community this morning? What do we do as we go out? And firstly, I just want to acknowledge that when we speak about justice and injustice, we can often think the problems and the challenges are somewhere else. They're not in here. They're outside these walls, definitely. But actually, I just want to recognize a name that there'll be people in the room here today. There'll be people watching online who themselves have been victims of injustice. Maybe through race through their gender, where people have been preferred over them for no apparent reason. And I just want to say I'm really sorry. Because when you read the scriptures, when you see God's heart, that's not what he wanted. I think also to recognize the church has been a place which got it wrong as well in the past. And if you've been someone who's been affected by how the church has treated you, I'm sorry. We're sorry as a group. Because again, it's not the heart of God. A bit later on, we're actually going to just offer a little space to pray for those who have been affected by injustice. Because what I believe that God wants to do today is just that small, still whisper in your ear to say, I'm with you. I'm with you. Because quite often with injustice, what we do is we isolate ourselves. We try to put ourselves on our own. But actually God's saying, no, 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 you're not on your own. I'm standing with you. And what I'm calling you into is to freedom. So we're going to pray into that a little bit later. But also I think there's a challenge for us. I know Esther shared last week on mission. And I think there's a challenge for us to step up and to step out. This is a church, if you've been coming here for a while, if you call it home, hopefully you've heard us say that we had a prophetic word spoken, spoken over us in the early days by the former Bishop of Birmingham that says this is the church for the uncomfortable. And I wonder, and I challenge myself in this, have we got a bit comfortable? We see things going on around us and we go, yeah, but, but. But actually, I think what God wants to do by his spirit, and that's the key thing in this, is by his spirit, he wants to lead us in response to step up and to step out into the challenges of injustice in our world. I think part of that is being interruptible. It's what Esther shared last week. And I'm also going to tell you this. I think having heard a message like this this morning, this week, you're going to see it. You're going to see it. So you might as well start making your decision now. What am I going to do? I'm going to turn away, walk off and go, or are we going to be bold? Are we going to be courageous? And I truly believe that as we draw closer to God's heart, we see the things that he sees. And also by his spirit, we have the faith, we have the boldness, we have the authority to go, no, 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 that's not right. How you're treating that person is unfair. And we do it with love. Of course, we do it with love. But I think God is calling us as a community today to step up and step out into the injustice in the world. Finally, I'm going to invite the band up at, at this moment. But we can't have God's mercy without God's justice. Can't have God's mercy without 
God's justice. Now, I would love to preach for 25 minutes on just how much God loves you. It's a great message. It's a great message to share. It's a great message to receive. But we have to recognise there is a consequence of sin. That sin being when we do wrong, when we put ourselves before others, there is a debt that needs to be paid. And this is where we begin to see the greatest human injustice of our time in the death of Jesus. Jesus was born in humble beginnings in many ways, yet miraculous circumstances, lived this sort of remarkable life of healing people, of setting people free, hanging out with the marginalised, standing for injustice. But the authorities at that time, they said, we don't like this guy. We don't like his teaching first injustice. We're going to put him on trial. So they put him on trial. They leveled these false accusations against him, yet another injustice. And then the governor, Pontius Pilate, had this decision to make and he knew that he was, he was innocent. But he caved into the pressure. He caved into the demands of the people and he sentenced him to death. Jesus then carried that heavy cross up that hill, was placed upon it, has been stripped and beaten and spat at, being embarrassed in front of everyone. And he hung there on the cross with nails through his hands, with a crown of thorns on his head. And that is where he died. Even the centurion, as Jesus breathed his last, said, surely this man was the Son of God. He knew it. He knew it. But what they had just witnessed was the greatest human injustice. Yet also, it was also a necessary work for God's justice. The death of Jesus was necessary for God's justice so that the debt of sin that had been building up gradually over time, the debt of sin that is here for eternity in many ways can be broken in that moment by the death of Jesus. That He takes that sin upon Himself on the cross and sets us free. And then remarkably, and this is the strange and crazy mystery of faith, as Jesus died on the cross, what He offered to us today was the free gift of righteousness, of right living, to be set free from the old, but to walk in this new life. See Romans 5, 17 for that. And the reason He did this, the reason God did this strange sort of act in many ways, seeing the death of Jesus, because He loves you. And that is the headline in this, is that God is a just God who cares for each and every single one of you. When you look to your left, when you look to your right, as Esther shared last week, God loves them as equally as He loves you. Don't feel discredited. Don't feel discounted because God sees you this morning. 1 Peter 2, 24 says this, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness by His wounds you've been healed. Just receive that afresh this morning. By His wounds, you have been healed. And the Christian faith is unique in that God shows His mercy, mercy through His justice. But the ultimate act of love was displayed in the pain of the cross. But the good news is, isn't it, is actually the cross wasn't the end for Jesus because three days later, He rose again in victory, showing that not even death could hold him back. Not even the weight and the sins of the world could hold him back, but Jesus was free and so too were you and I. We can't have God's mercy without God's justice. So just that wrap up, sort of helps on the journey that we've been on this morning. 
God is a God who stands for justice. His scripture is clear. As Christians in the room today, as Christians watching at home online, we can't tolerate injustice anymore. I believe that God wants to heal the pain of those here today who've been victims of injustice. God wants to say to you, I stand with you and I want to call you into a place of freedom. I think there's a challenge for us, isn't there? To step up and to step out into what God is calling us and that God, by your spirit, would you lead us to be more bolder, to be more confident. And finally, to remember that we can't have God's mercy without God's justice. Jesus died a huge the most barbaric death on the cross. But he died because he loves you. And he rose again and he sets you free. He rose again and he sets you free. Why don't we stand as we respond if we're able? Thank you. Let's just pray for a moment and then we're going to create a moment for people to respond in ministry. Father, we love you. Father, we thank you for being with us this morning, for speaking to our hearts. God, we're sorry for where we've got it wrong, but we've been the, the people who've caused injustice. Lord, we're sorry for those who are suffering today because of human injustice in this world. We come humbly before you this morning, God, recognizing your goodness, your faithfulness, your provision. Thank you. Yeah, every week here at Gastry, we want to create a space for people to respond to the good news of Jesus. The good news being that you are loved and that you can be set free. And we've got a prayer that's going to come up on the screen in a moment. And we're going to pray this prayer with boldness and courage. Because actually every single one of us, I believe, need this prayer. Whether you've been a faith for 50 years, we need that reminder that God died for us on the cross, that we have fallen short and we say sorry. But also we need the Spirit of God to move in us afresh today. But also as we pray that, I'm going to ask afterwards if there's someone who's prayed that for the first time or for the first time in a long time, this is your moment to say, I'm in. God, I've seen your goodness and the only way I can respond is with my life to follow you. So let's pray this prayer out loud together. Thank you, God, for loving me before I ever loved you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that you know me and love me completely. I know I have made mistakes and now I ask for your total forgiveness. I turn away from everything I know is wrong and today I choose to put my faith in you and say yes to following you. Please come into my life and fill me with your Holy Spirit now. Amen. Boy, just take a moment as we pray that prayer of Holy Spirit, come and fill me now, just to receive that wherever you're at. But also I'm going to ask, if you've prayed that prayer for the first time now, for the first time in a long time, would you just pop your hand up in a moment? And the reason for that is twofold. One, it means we can give you a little gift, a way to connect in with the life of the church so we can pray for you and support you. But two, when you go home later today, when you wake up tomorrow morning, you can go, yeah, I prayed that prayer. I've given my life 
to Jesus. So if you just want to bow your heads for a moment, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or for the first time in a long time, would you just be really brave and just put your hand up high just so I can catch you? Yeah, amazing. Amazing. Keep up nice and high. That's it. Right, gentlemen here, amazing. Lady there, amazing. Lady there, brilliant. Yeah, amazing. I see you. That's fantastic. Just make sure I've caught your eye. If I've not caught your eye, wave frantically at me. Yeah, amazing. At the back there as well. Amazing. Well, Father God, we just want to thank you for these five people right now who have given their lives to you, Lord. We thank you, God, that you love them. And Spirit of God, would you bless them today? Would you fill them with your Spirit right now? And Holy Spirit, would you protect them this week, we ask? Father, thank you for them. Amen. Let's just give those people a huge round of applause. Well done. The best decision. And, and for those of you who had just suggest, can I just encourage you, we've got um, this little QR code on the screen. I know it looks a bit odd, but that means we can connect with you. So gastric.church forward slash yes. Again, if you said yes online, hit that link and um, we'd love to come alongside you this week. But we've got some space. We're going we're gonna to pray. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website, gastric.org, or follow us on Instagram at Gastric Church.